Welcome everyone, I'm Monique and this is the True Worth podcast. I am really excited tonight to have with me my guest Sally Porteous from Red Lanyard. Welcome Sally. Thanks Monique, thanks for having me as your guest. Oh look, fantastic to have you here and uh, tonight we're going to talk about the true worth of events and I think as we know over the last few years it has been a really tough time for uh, everyone in the events sector and we've all really missed um, those amazing experiences that we have at events. So uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to talk to Sally around her um, experience with that and uh, you know, why event, events are so important to her. Now, I've known Sally for a long time now, more than 10 years, definitely more than 10 years. I think we first met back um, in the Fostering Executive Women program, uh, which is an alumni program of the QT Business School, which we are both uh, alumni of. So, um, so yes, we've known each other for a long time and Sally has um, helped me produce uh, quite a few events over the years. And so um, that's been fantastic. Uh, and she's always amazing um, at making that all come together. So um, really excited to talk with her tonight. So just to introduce Sally, uh, she has unwittingly and unknowingly been involved in the planning and coordinating of events since she was a teenager, coordinating local fairs, school fates, real estate roadshows, sales conferences and community engagement activities. But it wasn't until Sally was well through the first act of her career journey that she realised that the activity she had always managed to incorporate into every job was actually a career she could pursue. So in 2011, Sally embarked on a journey of curiosity to see if this thing people called event management was indeed something that could hold her attention for act two of her career. Volunteering for a year, then securing community festival production gigs Sally discovered that this was in fact something she could do forever and had in fact already been doing it most of her life. Sally is a passionate advocate for creating remarkable audience experiences, experiences that are worth remarking on. And she has created three pillars of support for her event community. Red Lanyard is the production company supporting people and organisations to create their best work. Event Planners Workshop is creating space for people to learn, play and test their work. And the Event Managers Network encourages connection, collaboration, belonging and support. Still a work in progress, Sally continues to create meaningful event experiences, give others the confidence to do the same and connect a vibrant community to make magic in the world. That sounds wonderful, Sally, making magic in the world. I love that idea. Um, and definitely that's been my experience of working with you over the years. Um, I think we all want our events to be magic experience, don't we? Um, we do. Yeah. What do you think um, contributes to making that magic? When people really focus on um, what it is that they want to create for their audience, I think. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, if, yeah. If, if people can uh, resist the temptation to get bogged down in the logistics and... Yeah keep their audience front and centre, they will create something amazing. Yeah, excellent. Um, and how has COVID impacted on that? How do you think that it has changed the way we engage with events or what our experience is um, with events, you know, since this COVID era? Mm. Well, I think um, to give kudos to 
uh, local councils first and foremost and state and federal government who kept doing events. They kept showing up. They kept putting events on for the community and they kept trying, even though, you know, it could be shut down at a moment's notice. I think it was really amazing that the local councils particularly kept putting on their community festivals. So that was really exciting. And it gave the community and people confidence that um, they they could still book. They still needed to book for events, even though, you know, it's not that hard if it gets cancelled or postponed. So it built a lot of trust. Um, it took away a lot of the fear, I think. Um, as things have gone on and on and on, though, <laughs> I think people um, sometimes aren't sure what to do. Yeah. So we want to go to things. Uh, and... Probably six months ago, we were booking them. We were booking tickets with the expectation okay. that COVID would come and go and we'd be able to go to our event. Now with the various flus and different things around, um, people are holding out. They're still booking tickets, but they're waiting a lot longer. Yeah. What that means, though, is the rest of the industry isn't really accommodating or catching up with that. So as planners, we still have to pay deposits in the same timeline we still have to sign contracts with the same timelines give final numbers with the same timelines when people aren't actually booking you know even six weeks in advance which they might have done once before they're booking a week in advance so that probably for me is what's been the biggest change um Mm. people aren't sure what to do so they're booking a lot later to come to me yeah so they'll leave it until quite near the event time before they um, make a commitment to come. Yes, even if you offer, um, you know, 100% refund guarantee. Yes. um, I think the start of COVID put a lot of fear in people that, you know, they didn't get those refunds. But I can assure everyone that the refunds are done like that. I've experienced it myself and um, everyone's doing the right thing, which is great. Yeah. So it's really, um, it's it's introduced a lot of uncertainty, hasn't it, you know, from what you're saying there, is that people then are afraid, what if it get, gets cancelled, or what if the event doesn't get cancelled, but I get COVID and then I can't go, uh, you know, so there are all these sort of complexities to it, because it's not just a simple thing of, yes, I really love to go to that and I'm available and, you know, I'll book a ticket. Um, so, yes, there's a lot more complexity and so much uncertainty. Um, so do you think there's a bit of a temptation then to just say, well, I'm going to stay home and watch Netflix or I'm going to, <laughs> or I'm going to have my, uh, make my event online instead? Um, so do you think that people have come to undervalue a bit that uh, meeting face-to-face in a live um, environment? On the surface, yes, they do need to keep being reminded. So so um, as event planners, we have to keep reminding people what it's like to go to the concert versus put the CD in the CD player or yeah. turn on the MP3 player or play that song in your phone. I really encourage people to try and just remember what it feels like to experience that collective energy. And that's what we get at an in-person event, as you know. Yeah. And you just can't replicate that online. You just can't. It, no, no. No magic will will create that space, no matter what the experts are telling you. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. It's something different altogether, isn't it? 
Um, so yeah, yeah, collective energy, I think that's a nice um, way to, to say it, or that's a nice, that gives the, that idea that actually when you put, you know, a few hundred heartbeats together in one space, it's a different experience, isn't it, To Oh, it being, is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And even if, you know, if you've, I've been to concerts, for example, where I've driven to the concert, um, the Cat Empire is a great an, a, a example of this. I drove to the concert down the coast, so I couldn't drink a drop because I had to drive mm -hmm. home. I'd mm -hmm. never seen this band before. Um, I only knew one song that was really popular, but they had this really amazing energy. When I mm -hmm. left that concert, I seriously felt like, and not that I've taken drugs, but I thought, wow, this must be what like what people feel like yeah. you know when they've taken drugs yeah. I was on this high all the way home and yeah. it was because their music was that kind of music where everyone in the room jumps you know and there's just this everyone's moving in unison and it was quite incredible and that to me is like that's the nth degree of what you get when you gather people together yeah. um, but it's like having dinner alone versus having dinner with six friends yeah you know, yeah. we all tried to do the Friday night wine catch up during COVID. Yes, yes. And we tried really hard, but it <laughs> it just didn't cut it, did it? Not quite the same, is it? No. Yeah. I mean, it was good when there was no alternative, but uh, you know, it's yeah, it's not the same as really being there in the same room and and having that shared experience. So when businesses are thinking about this then and, and what they should be doing with their events in the light of all this uncertainty, from your perspective, what's the value that they uh, can get from a well-produced event? They get to take the activity that they want to share. So when you say a well-produced event, to me, that's an event where the person who is delivering the content, the person that wants to create the transformational experience for the people that are coming into the room, that person has delegated the planning tasks either to somebody else or they did them six months ago and it's all done and dusted and finished and they don't ever have to worry about it. When they walk in the room, they really need to be attentive to the audience that came there. And more so now because people have taken a risk to come. They've taken a huge risk to to get out of their house and come to your event. Um, the worst thing that can happen is when you show up and the person who's got the event on is fiddling with AV or tech or, you know, they're on stage mucking around with something and, and you sort of walk in and think, well, what am I supposed to do? Where do I go? Mm. I don't know anybody here or you may know some people, but you really don't want to leave your audience to their own devices. Mm. And, and most importantly now, when they have taken that risk, they've invested money, they've invested time and energy and said, all right, we trust you. We're mm. going to show up face-to-face. Um, -face. And the value that the organization or the person will get from that is an enormous amount of loyalty because yeah. because they too have taken a risk and said hey I'm I'm putting myself on the line financially I'm going to stand up and share with you <laughs> um, and for women that's really really hard to do a lot of women who are doing you know transformational work um, it's not easy to to stand up like you've done amazing events I'm always in awe of of you standing up and going, all right, I've got this great activity and I'm going to bring people together to do it. Mm -hmm. And so when someone does that, I think those that come along to it um, get taken on that energetic journey. 
with you. Mm. So that's why I think people should do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most importantly, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's true what you say when something is not well produced, where it's hasn't been thoroughly planned. And when, as you say, the, the guest speaker or the person hosting the event is fiddling around with the technology or what have you, that really, um, you lose the magic, don't you? Like, no one wants to see behind the curtain. You as an audience member, you want to be, uh, you know, you want to be greeted, you want to be guided, you want want it to all that the experience starts before you arrive and that it needs to be throughout that entire time that you're that you're there um yeah I, I think too though um something people often forget and you and I experienced this not so long ago is uh remembering to take people on the journey you've got to show them the journey you can't mm. just they don't just show up and suddenly they know what to do they know no. where to go yeah. you have to um be free enough, have your time free enough um, to be able to notice if somebody isn't doing what you wanted them to do or engaging in the activity you were hoping yeah. to engage them in. Yeah. Um, you can't be distracted by other things yeah. and leave people to their own devices. You want to yeah. take them on a, take them through your story. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so I think, you know, from what you've said there, there's yeah, there's, there's a lot of value to be gained by um, taking that risk, but by ensuring that when you're going to take the risk and the people coming are also taking a risk, that you put the effort in to make sure that it really is um, done well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be worth going out for, doesn't it? Like it needs to be, you know, these big experience these days. Well, I've got to put on clothes and shoes and, you know, get dressed. That's um, right. So, Take my tracksuit pants off. So it better be worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so Sally, like over your years and the experience, um, you know, in the events industry, and and you must have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, are there times when you've been underestimated, or where your role as uh, the person, you know, planning um, what, what is often in the background behind the scenes. Um, do you feel that you've been underestimated in that role sometimes? Often, yeah. often. Um, and here's the thing, it's because it's one of those activities that the value um, often isn't, doesn't come, doesn't rise to the top until it's over. Yeah. So, so it's common to be underestimated throughout the whole process um, and then be flooded with gratitude and compliments after the Absolute, event. Yeah. 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 Which, you yeah. know, that can be one of the reasons why that we engage in such activity. Um, yeah. But I've had times where uh, it, it, I've been, the, the process has been underestimated. I had a, I had a bit of a tragedy on one particular event and I knew this was possibly going to happen. And so I actually lined up a friend to produce this event on the day for me because I thought this thing that happened was going to happen. I just had a gut feeling about it. So I lined up my friend and said, look, I think this is going to happen. I've done all the paperwork. All you, really, all you have to do on the day is just fix anything that might break. And nothing broke on the day. It was, it was a great day. She, she did a really good job. And when it came to the debrief with the client, they didn't want to pay for that day. Mm. They said, well, she didn't do anything. Why do we have to pay for that day? Yeah. And I said, well, she didn't do anything because it, 
because it was it also well planned and nothing went wrong. <laughs> we don't want to be doing anything on the day. Thank yes. you. Yes. Um, but even after the fact that they didn't, they they really underestimated the value of um, being well planned. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And in fact, of having that person there who just makes sure that everything goes smoothly. And it's all the little things that you don't necessarily notice they're doing that, in fact, are the difference between somebody having a magic experience and, you know, leaving feeling like it wasn't really worth it. And the thing is, often they'll never know that. They no. won't know that someone had a bad experience yeah. because yeah. The, the person's not going to tell them. Um, or the person will never realise what a great experience they could have had. Yes. You know, they, yeah. they won't, they'll never know what an amazing idea the person putting that event on actually wanted for them, but they just never got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then given that, what are some of the key factors that you think that businesses or people who are organising their um, corporate events need to consider, you know, to make sure that they do have the best experience possible? Well, um, I've got three key things, I think. Um, understanding the risk of getting it wrong. So if you do delegate the task of the planning to someone in your organisation who it's not their normal job um, or you don't know if they have the skills to do it and there are a specific set of skills that come into play with event planning, the risk of getting it wrong is... It could be a PR nightmare, you know. It, yes. it could be, it could be serious injury to someone. Um, you know, it could be five people showing up to something that you wanted a hundred people to show up to, or a, just a lackluster experience. Mm. You know, for example, when the um, when the microphones don't work properly, or someone hasn't tested the AV, and and nobody's done a sound check or run through anything because. Nobody knew that they had to do that. Um, an example is recently I observed an event planning process going on around me and I was asked to put, I've got to be careful how I say this. <laughs> um, okay. I was asked to do a task which essentially meant that on stage names would be called out and things would be handed out. Ooh, that makes any yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was no check. There was no final check. And I had to sort of say, um, have, is there a list? Yeah. Would you like me to just make sure that? And they went, oh, yes. Yes, that would be a great idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's those kind of things that I sort of think, wow, what, what would happen if you didn't do that? And the person you are meant to hand something to, you don't have that thing. Yeah, yeah, like that could be really quite devastating. Order or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing to think about is the time and resources it takes. I think that is seriously underestimated all of the time. Um, people don't realise if when when you send one email to someone to say, "Oh, I'd like to get a quote to book your venue," for example. You're yeah. talking about probably 30 to 50 emails that are going to go back and forth just to get a quote. Like that's yeah. not even booking the venue. And yeah. if you think there's three to five minutes <laughs> in every email, now if that's not that person's job, 
that's time they're not doing their other job that they're yeah. meant to be doing. And yeah. I think that's the thing that um, I find most astonishing. And if we're talking about EAs and PAs in organisations, they will just do it. Yeah. So the third thing is the unidentified stress. And I can tell you, I can email people on a weekend and I can email, um, you know, marketing coordinators and assistants and EAs, et cetera, and they will answer me. They will answer me on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I don't want the answer. I don't need the no, answer. No. Um, so it's that unidentified stress that people put themselves under when they're trying to do their own job as well as deliver this for you because there's no second chance with an event. No, no. Like when it... It, it's deliverable it's deliverable yes so when you're in the room and it's all happening you, you can't go back and go oh oh I forgot to do that you've yeah. just got to find a way through it and that can be highly stressful yes. for people who aren't built to make quick decisions to be resourceful resilient if that's not your makeup no if you're someone that needs time to make decisions needs to be able to um, think things through and, and plot things out, the, the stress levels on those people are astronomical. So I think that's probably the three things, the risk of getting it wrong, um, the time and resources it actually takes to do it, and um, understand the unidentified stress of the people that are being tasked with these activities. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Um, and so the, these are some of the things that, you know, are part of that whole big picture and it takes a lot doesn't it there's so many moving parts and and as you say you've got one chance to get it right on the day and so everything's really got to be be ready to go um, so given your experience Sally I know that one of the things you do is to provide training for event managers or some of the people as you say like it might be an EA or a PA who is given the task of organizing an event um, so can you tell us a bit about some of that training you provide I can I can yes yeah. so um ideally it's taking people through a process so I have a 12-step process essentially that uh, I go through in relation to the event planning um, and that's that's looking at the design process first having a look at what it is that we actually are trying to achieve here who are we trying to achieve it for and um, what objectives and KPIs do we need to build around that so that's step one is looking at the design um, step two is the marketing and that can be the same for um, a dinner party, a boardroom lunch, a 3,000 person festival. You've mm. got to find a way to attract people to come to this thing that you want to put on. So that's why I call it marketing. And there's a variety of different ways to do that. But if you don't actually tell people this is on, even if it is just a boardroom lunch, and if you don't do it in such a way, you know, we talked about before, the competing priorities people have now yes. and the fact that do we really want to go out you know we might just want to stay at home and and uh, choose the virtual option um, so the marketing is actually how do I encourage people to come to this then the next step we go through is the operations so the actual delivery of the event the execution of the event mm -hmm. and then there's um, administration so all of the budgets that yes. kind of thing all yes. around it and then risk and compliance as well. And risk and compliance is one of those things that people often forget about. Yeah. Um, 
And it can be a small, short activity that just runs through a quick risk assessment, make sure that you have the right insurances that you need to have or other legal or compliance things that you may not realise that you have to have in place. Um, and so it's essentially, uh, there's four elements there and there's three steps or three phases in each of those. So um, it's a 12-step program. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it sounds like it's very comprehensive and it covers all of the key things that someone would need to know. Let's say they've never, uh, you know, organised an event before or this has been thrown on them by their boss and they don't quite know what to do. Or like you say, perhaps they've, you know, uh, organised a few things before, but they haven't thought about some of those things like their legal compliance or getting their liquor licence or their insurance or whatever it might be, um, that might be something they haven't come across before. So yeah. it sounds like that provides a good checklist as well for them to make sure. It does, yeah. 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 And yeah. look, one of the, one of the biggest um, takeaways I often find when working with people in that corporate environment is how to read a venue contract. Yes. A lot of people don't read the contract or they don't understand the contract and the pricing structures that venues can put together can be highly complex. Yes. And I've had, I've had clients not know that they've signed a contract worth $150,000. No, yeah. no, no. It's only $45 a head. No, yeah. it's $150,000. Yeah. 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 So it's those kind of things I think um, that people don't pay attention to but there's so many tiny things and often we know the best venues to go to as well. Sure, sure. Um, you've had the experience of working with certain venues before and certain suppliers and so you know who's reliable and uh, you know who does a great job and who's good to work with. Yeah yeah, yeah. and who has what already um, in the space you know does the venue already have AV included or is it extra and all of those kinds of things so so there's the training element um, which is the is the nitty gritty. That's for people that really they need to know how to put the event on, and they need the steps involved. But they don't have the time or desire to go and go to TAFE or do mm. a degree or anything like that. It's just something that they have to do in their job. They might yeah. do it once a year, and they need a procedure. Yes. So that's that's for that. There's also the coaching and the mentoring as well, though. So coaching is if you've done events before and and you're doing them okay, but you just like a little bit more structure around it. Um, it's a, getting a bit bigger now. It's getting a bit more complex now. The risks are a bit higher. It's a bit more high profile. And you just sort of want someone in your back corner that you can come on the journey with you and, and just sort of hold your hand and make sure that you're doing things as efficiently and effectively as possible. And then last but not least is the mentoring. And that's mm. that's when you you just need to call someone and say, hey, I don't know what to do here or this situation's changed or, you know, the venue's changed the contract on me. What are my options? Yeah. Um, and so that's that bit more of a hands-off process. And I think it's just really helpful. Um, well, I've found anyway, the people that I've worked with, um, it, it gives people confidence. So yeah. the people who are, who are producing the events, it gives them the confidence to produce the event. They know what needs to be communicated to the people who own the event. Mm. And the people who own the event can actually spend time on the content and the program and yeah. what it is that they yeah. want to deliver. And that's what I care about. Yes. That's, that's my, my whole goal is yeah. how can I make this easier, better, more fun, less stressful. So when you're all in the room with the audience, the audience is feeling your excitement and your 
anticipation for what greatness is to come mm. not the opposite which is often the case of your stress and anxiety and yeah. fear and oh my god what if this goes <laughs> yeah. wrong yeah yeah so that's that's always my goal that's, yeah. that's what I hope to give people yeah yeah definitely but what it really is is taking care of all those things so that as you say the person who's uh delivering the event or the you know the who is the host or the owner of the event can in fact spend their time engaging with their audience and you know communicating yeah. with the people that they've brought to this and and make that a magic experience for them and you know where that came from Monique I had a wonderful experience for about four years um much later in life, I learned that I could do a job as a promoter, as a music promoter. Yeah, yeah. And I used to take bands on the road. Had yeah. no idea this was a job. I probably wouldn't be alive today if I'd have learned <laughs> it was a job when I was 15. <laughs> I, I got to do this for about four years. And one of my favourite gigs was Human Nature. I got to oh, take yeah. them on the road for two years. Yeah. And they are always in the back of my mind because they are the hardest working band you will ever, ever meet. And they turn up in the morning of their show and they do a rehearsal. Mm -hmm. They rehearse until lunchtime. They take a lunch break. They rehearse all afternoon and then they do the show of a nighttime and they yeah. do that every single day on tour. Yeah. But they employ the best sound engineers, the best lighting technicians, the best tour managers. Everyone around them are the best at what they do because they do nothing but focus on their show. Yes. That's all they do. And that's why they're, like, if you've ever seen a human nature show, the four of them together, they're precision. They're mm. absolutely perfect. Mm. And that's that's what I say to people I really want for them. I want them to be the rock star. Yeah. I really want yeah. everyone to just leave everything to everybody else. Just yeah. grab professionals to do all of that. Because if I can encourage people to really dig deep into the content they want to deliver, that's the best thing for the audience. That's the best thing. But anyway, that's where that comes from. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think you've talked a lot about a lot of uh, background scenes um, work, Sally, like, and as you say, like, that, you know, human nature might be the ones up on the stage, but there's so much that goes into, you know, producing an event like that or enabling them to be able to just do their job and sing. Um, yes. But there's also a lot of creativity in what you do and, you know, in even just coming up with the ideas for the events and, you know, throughout that whole process, uh, so, so much that you need to um, bring to it. Um, and I know we, um, you know, we talked about this and we worked on this a bit um, as part of the, the True Worth Discovery Program about how we nurture our creativity and how that helps us to, um, to bring something unique um, to every experience. Um, and so I'd love to hear from you. How do you go about nurturing your creativity in your daily life? Well, I'm always learning something and I'm always learning from great people, i.e. you. <laughs> um, so I, I am blessed to ha always have something like that going on. So I've been yeah. super grateful. And that's increased exponentially since COVID because so many people have decided to take what they know and share it with the world. So that's probably one of the great things that's come out of COVID. But I just create things. I make things all the time. Um, I, I don't consider myself an artist, um, but I do hope that one day I'll be able to write something. I'd, I'd like to be a playwright when I'm old and grey and um, sitting on my couch. I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to write plays. But I think... Um, Fostering creativity is just doing. You've just got to get up and do. You've got to try. 
um, I had, I did learn, I went again, I, I, I'm living life backwards. So I went to university very late. Um, and I did learn there to dig deeper into different subject matter. And I find that really interesting because to me, it seems the opposite of creativity. Creativity to me has always been chasing after the next shiny object. Um, but digging deep into a subject, um, which is what I did, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, lots of different groups. I have varying different groups where I can talk about the things that I do, but I just keep working. I just keep yeah. creating things, really. Yeah. I keep chasing different clients. People ask me all the time what kind of events I do. Yeah. I don't focus on particular types of events. I focus on particular types of people. Yes, yeah. And I want to always want to work with people that are doing creative, innovative things. And that just, yeah, expands yeah. my mind exponentially. Yeah. And I think it's true what you say that actually, you know, if you want to be creative, you just need to create. Isn't mm. that it? You know, so, yeah, I mean, you can think about being creative, but actually to just, you know, create something, whatever it might be, um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a Mona Lisa hanging in the Louvre. Um, no. it can be. And it doesn't have to be public either. No, no, not at all. I write every day. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just like diary writing. Sometimes yeah. I'll write a story, like I'll write myself into a story and that's always a bit of fun. Um, but I don't publish those. Nobody else no. needs those except me. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. No one else needs to see it. It's still mm. a way that you're expressing yourself, uh, you know, as part of you, of what you do every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so what do you think has been the greatest satisfaction from your professional career, Sally? It's been varied and lots of fun and uh, you've done lots of things over the years. So what, what brings you that satisfaction? Yeah, um, you know, right now, as, as I get older and older, like I said, it's um, it's the discipline of, of studying something a little bit further before mm -hmm. I move on to the next thing. So um, I think the journey of discovering that I actually had a saleable skill, mm -hmm. I, I never thought I, I was a jack of all trades. I used to call myself, I was just an administrator. Um, yeah. I really didn't, you know, people would say, what do you do? And, you know, I'd say, oh, I work in an office. Like I didn't, I didn't actually do anything that had a title. Mm. Um, so discovering this and realizing that this was a thing that people did, and I something I could say I was, I found that really interesting. Um, and I, even to today, I still find it a bit hard to name what I do. Mm. Um, but that's probably been the most exciting part of this discovering I had a saleable skill and then the discipline that's that the study taught me and going deeper into different yeah. subject matter mm. um, and now I do things like I used to read probably the first 30 pages of any book before I run off with ideas I'd start right. writing ideas yeah. on my notepad over here and before I knew it I was on a project and that's yeah. it the book's finished now I write, I read for 20 minutes and write for 20 minutes until I finish the book every day. Right, yeah. And so I read it first and I'm not allowed, I don't allow myself to make any notes right. <laughs> as I read it because I want to retain it because I found if I was reading and writing at the same time, I just didn't retain anything. But you lose the flow of it, don't you, as well, if you, when you do that. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... So you've created a process around it or you've, you've 
instilled a discipline for yourself in in how you do that in indeed that's exactly what i did so um just keeping working really <laughs> keep trying to show up that's that's not easy um particularly the last couple of years i think has been um has been a challenge and it's it's been, i'll be honest it's been hard to find satisfaction in the last yeah. two years because we we haven't actually been able to deliver what we planned yeah. anyone that does this does it because we like to see the end result of something sure, sure. you know it's often short term yeah. um, we like short term things and we see results pretty much straight away yeah. and uh 2020 yeah 2020 I had um you know 25 events booked and I was able to execute eight yeah. Yeah. and so <laughs> there was satisfaction in that eight for sure yeah 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 and um sally also the the commonwealth games is just wrapping up in um, birmingham this uh week and uh, i know that you were involved in the commonwealth games when they were here on the gold coast in 2018 um yeah can you tell us a bit about that or what you know what you learned from that experience uh what i learned from that experience about myself uh, was i have uh incredible determination <laughs> <laughs> when there's no other option. Um, I can tell you, you know, you see, I've got a photo on my um, website. There's a picture of me with all the flags. So you have to put all the flags of the countries up. I can tell you that is the hardest job. The <laughs> hardest job is stringing those flags, hooking the flags on, getting the rope right and getting it up on that flagpole <laughs> ready for opening day was the hardest thing I had to do there. Um, and you can't not do it. No, no. Imagine if you were from that country and yeah. up and your flag wasn't there. <laughs> Sorry, I broke your flag while I was putting it up. So this, <laughs> you know, I, in retrospectively, there's an enormous amount of pressure. Mm, but mm. I think you're moving so fast. You know, medal ceremonies. Yeah. Doing medal ceremonies and, and finding, the funniest thing was finding the right people because there's a set of rules and regulations around who is allowed to present a medal. Right, and yeah. at the beginning of the games, it's they must be this level of person from this country, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, um, dressed in this way, and you know they have to look at it, all this kind of thing. And of course, by the end of the ten days, because you can't find it, there's anyone. not a lot I can say that won't get me in trouble. But I can I can tell you we have incredible people here in Australia yeah. that create amazing things, and that's that's what people don't see. People yeah. don't see that I was put on that event with nine weeks to go. Yeah. The space that I was in, the first person put on that location was November the year prior. So I was put on in uh, end of February. The games yeah. were in April. Yeah. I was put on at the end of February. The first person was put on November the year before and nothing was on the site. The site had not been built at all. No procedures, No, nothing had been done. Yeah to run all of those events across 10 days. Yeah. And, and so the ability of the people that we have here in Australia who, um, who can pull that kind of thing off. But, you know, amazingly, um, I, I was exposed to this whole world of people who put these things on around the world. And it's a whole yes. community yes. that if I wanted to, I, I can jump on a Facebook group and I could be like half of these people are in the UK now. Yes. Delivering yeah. it there. And they'll go to the next one and the next yes. one. And I had no idea yeah. that occurred. 
So that was really cool to meet all and those. And I'm people. sure they're already planning the next one, just as we are here now in Brisbane, already planning for 2032, although it's 10 years out. That And in fact, that's been going on already for some years you know, before now. So it's a really long um, lead time for something that, you know, ultimately is quite short, but it has to all happen and it has to all be done right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think too that that the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games was a great example of people solving problems on the fly. Because there's so many things you can't anticipate when it's just humans involved, because yeah. essentially that's what it is. It's just yes. gathering humans and getting humans to do one thing or the other, either be a, a visitor or, or a um, participant, a, an athlete. You know, one of the funniest things, though, <laughs> one of the funniest things that would happen was I helped with the... Um, opening ceremony and I was in the royal box which was so exciting so I'm getting to meet all of these incredible dignitaries from around the world but the signs they put the names on the so I had a seating chart and this is it's amazing you think these are so professionally organized but I've got a seating chart that's a piece of paper yeah with boxes drawn on it hand drawn on it with the names of the people you know Charles Camilla yes like, don't show anybody this piece of paper. And the names on the seats were these little tiny stickers that they'd stuck, someone had stuck on the back of the seat. So I'm trying to take Prince Charles to his seat. Yeah. And I've got this terrible bit of paper and these little stickers. And if you remember, this massive storm hit. Do you remember uh, the storm? I don't remember, but I'm sure it's it would be a frequent occurrence on the golf. Well, the show's due to start at 8 yeah. p.m. Yeah. And at 8 p.m. it bucketed. It yeah. literally, and the Royal <laughs> Box was outside. Anyway, it was yeah. just one of those things that was just disaster after disaster <laughs> to disaster. But no one would have known. No one would no. have seen it. no. No, and it all comes together in the end. Yeah, it comes yeah. together because it. We just the world is full of people that want to create great things. Yeah. they want to yeah. do a really good job, and that's what I love about it. Like, mm. there's not one single person I ever come across that is at an event that's sitting in the corner going, "That's not my job." No, 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 no. Everybody, everyone wants to be part of making it happen, and yeah, making it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why it's cool. That's why it's fun. Because yeah. yeah. everybody everybody will pick up a shovel and dig a hole if they need to. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So given all this experience that you've had, Sally, I'm sure you've got, you know, so many stories and many of which you, uh, as you say, can't tell. But, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's, you've... that's the only thing with the online world is doing yeah. my workshops virtually. I actually yeah. can't tell a lot of these no, stories because no. I don't want anyone to share them you know no, the no. <laughs> no, but, that's all right. but you've learned a lot from all of this um so given all of that what would what are some of the things that you would love experienced practitioners to know when they're coming in and and you know uh and taking on the responsibility like you have of making sure that these events you know all run smoothly what's some of the things that you um would love them to know um, I think I would love them to know that they can make a difference. You know, they can, even, even a half-hour event, you know, just something that is a short period of time, done well, executed well, and 
um, you know, if you can focus on what it is that you want to share with the people that you want to gather, that's what you want to give to somebody else, right? That's, that's what you want to create um, for other people in the room. So as I say, said before, even if it's not, even if you, you can't engage someone to do it for you, that's fine. Just make them two separate jobs though. Don't try and be planning the event whilst creating your content, whilst um, talking to people about trying to get them to come or sponsors on board, all of those kinds of things. And I think that's what happens. People jump in the middle, they yeah. start in the middle and instantaneously they're chasing their tail and chasing their tail. So nothing actually gets done in any particular order. And if you do it in an order, everything builds on itself. Mm, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you only make this one decision once. You don't yeah, have to so make then it. move on to the next step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then if, you know, four steps down the track, that decision you made three days ago informs the next decision, etc. So um, I, I would like to see people separate. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you're going to produce your own work which I highly encourage people to do get a coach get a mentor um, even just someone to help you stay on track and say to that person look I, these are two separate jobs I'm doing here one is creating the content and an experience for people the other is the logistics of event planning yes can you help me <laughs> keep yes. those separated yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yeah so yeah that that would be my advice yeah yeah, excellent. Well, I think there's so many ways, um, you know, obviously that you can support people, whatever their role might be um, in that, um, in terms of your training, your coaching, your mentoring and and your and the event production that you um, also do. So um, that's fantastic. Um, so, Sally, this is the True Worth podcast. And um, I, I know that you were, um, it was fantastic to have you involved in our um, True Worth Discovery program. And uh, it was fantastic to see um, your journey through that. Um, so I want to ask you finally, before we finish up tonight, um, how do you embrace your own true worth? Well, I can tell you, Monique, that I didn't embrace it at all, really, before doing your program. So um, that was an amazing catalyst for how I show up now. And, I, and it's coming up every single day. Um, I've had interesting experiences where I'm working on a really important event at the moment with somebody else. And in the past, I would have let them lead. Mm. I, I would have, um, and, and not through any, um, not through any reason that I didn't feel worthy or feel mm. important. I always want to put other people on stage mm. and that's something I've kind of realized is I've always been the support worker I've yeah. always been the person that supported everybody else um, but you can be a support worker and lead at the same time yeah. and so what I've been practicing is instead of pushing my chair back and saying I'll let the expert talk because I'm not an expert mm. going actually I am the expert here <laughs> yes. and so I let them talk but yeah. then go Oh, and by the way, I think this, I think this, I think this. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed, I've, I've really noticed, I don't um and ah. Mm. Um, I don't, how ironic, I don't um and ah. <laughs> I don't, 
I, I, I speak with conviction yes. because, and, and I'm not afraid to give my opinion now because right. you reminded me they employed the expert for a reason. Yes, absolutely. You are the expert. They chose you to do this. And so that is in my head. Every time I want to go subordinate, slide back, no, yeah. I'm doing them a disservice by doing that. I'm yeah. doing them, they're wasting their money if that's what I'm going to do. Ooh. And so that has been, you know, mind-blowing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so I now know and accept my value and I no longer let myself down. I step up and I take the risk because that's what I think was happening before was I was scared's not the right word, but I was reluctant to speak up in case I got it wrong and then I'd feel stupid and, oh, I'd be embarrassed. Whereas now I'm like, well, even if I'm wrong, I'm willing to have someone say to me, I don't agree with you. Yeah. And my response is, that's interesting. Tell me why. Yeah. So. Fantastic. That's awesome, Sally. I'm oh, so it's been amazing, you. Monique. I can't yeah. ramble on about it enough, yeah, really. No. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I can really hear, you know, in you saying that, that you've, um, that, that you really are embracing that true worth from your own perspective and you're saying, hey, I, I can do this. I'm, and I, which, you know, as we all, everyone listening in right now, they know that already having listened to you for the past 40 minutes, uh, hearing all about your experience and your expertise um, in events. Um, so thank you so much, Sally, for being with us here tonight. It's been fantastic, wonderful to chat with you. Um, and uh, always, you know, uh, always great to catch up with you. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you for um, helping us all learn a bit more about the true worth of events. And uh, thanks for being with us tonight. I'm Dr. Monique Beadles, and if this conversation has sparked your interest, I'd love to invite you to join us in the True Worth community. It's a place to learn and to share ideas, insights, and inspiration. You can find us at trueworth.mn.co.